you may be trying to teach me this about masculinity. You may be trying to teach me that about femininity, wear dresses. It was very much behavioral. It wasn't how I feel, how I see myself, how I see the world. It was very much act this way. What's up, lovely human? It's your host, Yancy, and you're listening to That's Exciting, the podcast. I am a curious soul who loves to learn about intimacy, relationships, and sexuality. Additionally, I'm also a bachelor at Concordia University in interdisciplinary studies in sexuality. And I'm thinking about doing a double major, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) So today, we will be reflecting on masculinity and femininity and that's specifically in queer relationships so whether you identify as someone in the rainbow gang as i like to call it or not you will be a fly on the wall for this conversation because i'm talking with my partner today and for those who remember the interview with my cousin nuki well i kind of said that There's nothing more attractive to me than a masculine presenting woman. A nurturing masculine presenting woman? Nurturing. Okay. And what, like, how do you like to be nurtured? Uh, Just hold me when I'm crying. (laughs) Wow. And this is really interesting because one, I can reflect on what the type of people I'm attracted to, what type of people I think I'm mostly attracted to, which indeed falls under what I said, but there's a lot of nuances and I don't really feel like I have a type. Secondly, that also plays in a conversation. But before, I kind of need your help. I wish to bring back the sexual green flag segment. And if you're not familiar with what that is or you don't really remember, the sexual green flags are indicators that you have pleasurable and consensual safe sex. Somebody that's willing to receive as much as they like to give. I need to be emotionally and intellectually stimulated. Being for somebody who's neurodivergent, understanding sensories and the space to feel safe. Caring about one's body. It can be birth control and getting tested. You might move the intimacy one step closer. If they move it even closer. If somebody offers up their status right away saying like, hey, you know, just so you know, I got tested. Engaging in sexual acts that aren't penetration. Service without demand. And for this segment, I want to hear from you. That would be really cool if I could amplify people's voices and bonify the segment by hearing from people. I think we don't really talk about green flags. We do often talk about the red flags, but the greens are as important. So to do so, just go in the show notes and click the link for sexual green flags. I'm telling you, it takes less than 30 seconds and you'll be featured in one episode. I thank you in advance for your participation and feel free to share with your entourage. The more people we are, the more green flags we can talk about. So let's talk about masculinity and femininity. How that whole episode came about was from all the questions that I had that I never really paid attention to before being in a committed relationship with a woman. It's not until I ventured in my queerness um, and we kindled with it probably around my early 20s that I started to question myself on gender, sexuality, and talk to people. I started to talk to people. And I had a lot of those comments, myself asking those questions or making those remarks. 
And it's not until I got those questions that I kind of really got annoyed. Let's break them down. If you are in a queer circle, you probably have heard this before. And if you're not, you are welcome. First off, the heteronormative archetype. What is that? Western societies have legitimized the union of heterosexual couples, that being a cisgender men and a cisgender woman. And I think it dates back in Western societies, specifically in North America, to the colonial era and by legitimize the union i mean creating laws that protected the rights of heterosexual folks throughout history there's a lot of activists lgbtqia2 plus activists and a lot of activists of color and black activists that had to fight for their right to be safe and to exist in the same spaces, to have access to the same services, to be able to marry if they want to, have kids if they want to. We owe a lot to activists for the way we're able to live today, where we can be out in public and show our love in public if we want to, and still feel safe to a certain extent. Now, I think it's really important to acknowledge that I'll speak on behalf of Montreal. We are privileged to be able to live our life and our truth without our life being threatened by governments or hate crimes. I know these unfortunately occur here, but there is a lot of places in the world where there's a lot of discrimination and violence against the LGBTQ community. So that is what I mean by the heteronormative archetype. It is the union of a man and a woman, usually cisgendered. And so people that don't fall in that model, so mostly people in the rainbow gang, <laughs> can have that question often. Who's the man? Who's the woman? My interpretation of this is that it implies that everybody in relationships are trying to replicate a man and a woman. If we go back to what society views, you're supposed to be in a relationship with a masculine man and a feminine woman. So not all relationship is a, I don't know if balance is the right word, a balance of masculine and feminine, right? It may not be, well, one is the protector and the other one is the protectee so basically when you ask someone who's the man and who's the woman um it kind of implies that we're trying to recreate that and i'm not trying to be a man and my partner's not trying to be a man either <laughs> we just want to exist however we want to exist right i think that Indeed, there's some people that love the model of someone being more masculine and someone more feminine and to go along with the gender roles. And that's amazing. If you feel like you relate to that model of relationship and you want to go on the traditional monogamy route, that's amazing for you. And there's many other people that don't relate with the traditional relationship style and the traditional gender roles and that find relationship styles that really suit who they are and their expression and their sexuality and that's just as amazing overall i kind of think that limits us in the way that we express ourselves and the way that we can live now that i'm reflecting on it i would love for everyone to have more curiosities about ways of living and I know that the default is trying to relate it with something that you know. But 
Sometimes it's not as simple as that. Or sometimes it's as simple as, no, I'm creating my own relationship dynamic and it doesn't have to be men or women. Anyways, so all these reflection on masculinity and femininity, I noticed that those same things were coming up from my entourage and from my partner's entourage as well. So that was really interesting. And I started to question if there was such a thing as somebody wearing a pants in a relationship. We decided to take this conversation to the podcast in a very raw and honest way. And to do so, we decided to reflect on her upbringing and what she's been taught about masculinity and femininity as she grew up in a secret African country. <laughs> and I say that because her voice has been altered to keep her privacy. Also, a fun fact, um... The way the relationship started is that uh, she stalked me on Instagram. <laughs> in a non-creepy way, of course. Uh, we did have a few friends in common. And uh, I also thought that she was gorgeous after meeting her for the first time. I thought that she was a genuine and generous and funny, 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 funny person. And uh, I didn't know if she was, you know, in the Rambo gang gang. So... I shot my shot and sent her a DM and uh, now we are here and we are queer. <laughs> if you're listening to this partner, yep, I hope you're laughing out of embarrassment. <laughs> the more you know, these are, these are just fun stories to look back on. So on this lovely, lovely anecdote, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you look at it from the lens of your heritage, mm -hmm. what would be traits that your culture would associate with feminine energy and with masculine energy? So in terms of my culture, I'm from an African country somewhere in Africa. Suspense. <laughs> <laughs> really there, the idea of masculinity is power. So masculinity comes with power, it comes with responsibility, it comes with privileges, actually having a seat at the table and getting to talk, either on your own behalf or on behalf of your family. That's a lot of what came with masculinity or what was attempted at being taught to me. But the problem is me, myself and I, I question a lot. There is what was being taught and what I would see. Mm. And as children, you mainly retain what you see versus what you actually, what people are telling you. Mm -hmm. So the culture would say, yes, a man will get to be the head of what is that work in the family everywhere. They will get to talk. Women, you make yourself small, make yourself available at the service of the men and be nurturing towards them, care for them and don't have any expectations in return. That way, you will be able to be blessed by the men. What about femininity then? It was in relation to masculinity. You're like the help. You're taught to be a team player, mm -hmm. to put yourself last, make sure that the men are good first, mm -hmm. because if they're comfortable, then they can work. And if they can work, they can get the money. And if you can get the money, then the family is overall better. But femininity was a lot in affiliation with the masculine. It wasn't its own thing. You said when you're a kid, you retain more what you see and not what you've been told. 
What have you been told? What have you seen? So I was told that men got the shit together. Mm -hmm. So they got the family business in check. I also grew up in sports. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot for me about merit. That's where my mindset went. And so when I would see people getting privileges and getting all these praise for really shitty jobs mm -hmm. just because they're men not because they did it well but just because they did it and they happen to be men there's an american saying that men gain their value and women lose theirs because they are born with it it being pretty yeah. would you say that is the same thing or similar yes for sure and the only way to gain that value back is to have children and to raise those children, then raise their grandchildren. But that's the thing that I do like about my culture is that older people are very much respected. Mm -hmm. So contrary to here, women, when they grow older, they're like discharged and dismissed. Mm -hmm. Whereas over there, you're like a, a sage, like you're, you're this uh, wisdom. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. The only way for the tradition to go on and for mm -hmm. the culture to go on and for the heritage to be passed along was through the use of oral tradition. And so it makes it that respecting the elders came with respecting the knowledge and respecting your heritage and your mm -hmm. culture. It's like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're dismiss an older person, it's like you're dismissing your whole culture mm -hmm. type of thing. So it's mm -hmm. very much intertwined. And so when women do grow older, they're respected as grandmothers. They're respected as elderly women. The only thing I would say that older women are not respected is if they don't get married. And so when you came to Montreal, how would you have qualified femininity versus masculinity? When I had first arrived, I would have said that femininity is basically being cute and pretty mm. smelling good <laughs> is there such a thing as looking pretty being cute being passive and also your heritage or is it more so you need to be useful because what i'm hearing from what you said is like well you need to be at the service of the men and so you need to be useful you need to be available you need to have all those nurturing and and x y and z qualities mm -hmm. rather than here it's like well you're my trophy wife you look cute you gotta have it both. Okay. You gotta be cute and at the service. I actually feel it's like the same thing here, though. That's the thing. That's why yeah. I'm like, at first, it felt like it was a big difference because I was mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, the women here are so emancipated uh, mm -hmm. and they're so open minded and they get to do whatever they want and stuff. And then I was like, um, they do in theory, mm -hmm. but in practice, mm -hmm. it's very much, oh, let me ask my boyfriend. Oh, let me see what my boyfriend thinks. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll come with my boyfriend. Those are the same traits mm -hmm. or it comes from the same place within themselves. That's where eventually, after spending a few years here, I was like, oh, it's actually the same. Mm -hmm. They just package it differently. Mm -hmm. It was funny because they would still try to pound those ideas and those social constructs into my brain while i was seeing other things and while i would say well you're saying this but this is what i'm seeing and i would just annoy everybody mm -hmm. because for instance at some point i remember my father losing his job mm -hmm. not having a job for a while and over there it's not like if you don't have a job you can go to uh social services mm -hmm. and yes a check it's like you know sorry for you, you can't get a job it's it sucks for you. Mm -hmm. So 
he didn't have a job and i remember seeing my mother give him money at the restaurant so that he can pay for instance or if i'm saying oh can i have money for this this and that and she'll say oh go ask your father and me i'll be like what why why are we playing this game mm-hmm. we've had this conversation as a family okay your father no longer had his job no no no, no. you like you'll see him more around you know and it was uncommon to have like a it was like oh like none of, like the friends i had at school all their parents went to work mm-hmm. already having a parent who doesn't go to work and not only being a parent but being a father it's like well what are you gonna do mm-hmm. what's gonna happen to the family mm-hmm. and for me i was like well going back to athletic mindset i was like what's well, a team they're trying to convince me that's the man of the house that's the person who runs shit meanwhile he's the one who's staying at home taking care of us doing the like school errand taking us to whatever whatever whatnot and so it's like i see value in you it's just maybe not the value that you want to see yourself vis-a-vis me and so again i I would see it as a team effort so like you do this the other person will do that what's the point of having two people who do the same thing let's diversify (laughs) everything which is interesting because one doesn't go without the other. Yes, indeed, there can be one partner that is the breadwinner and the other partner that helps running the show, the behind this, not behind the scene, but more so like behind the curtain where you think, oh, the man is doing everything. There's also someone that's catering to different needs, not necessarily financials, but it could be in the household. It can be mm-hmm. um, or fi- contribute financially, too. But both are kind of interdependent. People put on the pedestal people that are breadwinners and not necessarily the the joint effort. Mm-hmm. You may be trying to teach me this mm-hmm. about masculinity. You may be trying to teach me that about femininity. Being like, okay, be girly, be more feminine, wear dresses, be more cute. Like, don't go running and play whatever sport with the boys. It was very much behavioral. It mm-hmm. wasn't how I feel, how I see myself, how I see the world. It was very much act this way. Whereas for the masculine energy and masculinity, it was a lot of character. Who are you as a person? Or how do people perceive you as a person? That's interesting because it directly falls into toxic masculinity versus toxic femininity. Let's talk about toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. So both of those are societal concepts. I think an important nuance that I want to bring is that toxicity is a behavior that can be embodied by everyone and that toxic masculinity and toxic femininity for the sake of the binary here is not saying that all men are toxic and that all women are toxic it's just saying that the way western society views masculinity and views femininity there are certain social codes and behaviors that men or boys ought to have and that women or girl ought to have and that's what's toxic what is toxic about it is that it's the conditioning of young kids to behave a certain way so it pressures people to fit in a certain mold instead of encouraging them to just live as they are and be who they are so that is the difference between toxic behavior and toxic masculinity and femininity now for the concept themselves The Goodman Project explained toxic masculinity as followed. Toxic masculinity is a narrow and repressive description of manhood, designating manhood as defined by violence, sex, 
status, and aggression. It's the cultural ideal of manliness, where strength is everything, while emotions are a weakness. And for toxic femininity, wellmind.com explains it as the emotion of being passive and docile. So it's the concept of being a good girl, where you're praised to be a virgin or you slut shame if you're not. And that's the whole Madonna whore complex that I talked about in the last episode with Casey Mao. Then there's policing people's femininity. And lastly, they mentioned the pick me. The pick me is a woman that bashes other women in order to have attention and be picked. Womanhood, in this instance, is defined in a very shallow manner that objectifies and harms women. Because it's as if you don't have a say. You just say, you just do what we say. And that was my issue, is I always had a say about everything. And I wanted to have a say about my own life because I would see my brother have a say on his own life. And I would say, why does he have get to have this say and I don't when we're both your children? Mm-hmm. And so at some point, I even thought I was adopted I was like, why do I get this diff- these different sets of rules mm-hmm. that it do not apply to him? And then they would try to bring in age. I'll say, okay, age, no worries. And then when I'll get to that age, I'll say, okay, bring me my privileges now. Mm. And we'll be like, no, you're a girl. What does that have to do with anything? Mm. And then they have to kind of instill this fear of getting abused, getting raped, mm. getting mm-hmm. attacked. Meanwhile, my brother's the one getting attacked in the street as well. And it's not like he can protect himself either. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's maybe a matter of what kind of attack, what kind of abuse. Mm, and right. it goes back to the value of the woman. On all this lovely knowledge, we'll be right back right after this. When it comes to sexual pleasure, there's nothing I hated more than the feeling of drying out lube and the process of having to find a compatible and enjoyable lube for my silicone toys. If that's your case, Sutil is the perfect lube for you. I've been using Sutil Lux for the past two years and let me tell you, the texture is amazing. It is so silky and really pleasurable, so I'm not changing my lube anytime soon. Sutil is a water-based paraben and glycerin-free pH balance, that's very important, lube made with the finest botanical eco-certified ingredients. Made by two Canadian women who understand the whys, what's and how's, they offer Sutil in the luxe and rich formats, optimal for any type of play. Perfect with condoms and your favorite toys. Enhance your experiences today. For luxurious and silky pleasure, choose Sutil. I'm really curious as to why do I view myself as more masculine? Is it the short hair? Is it the body type? Is it the fact that I'm a very assertive, a very arrêté? Je suis une personne très arrêtée. That's why when you said that as a statement, oh, I'm more masculine than you. I was like, where is that coming from? <laughs> where are the, the data? Where's the data? Would you say that you've had those thoughts? Mm, yes and no, because... From the jump, I've always been the more masculine, even in my relationships with men. That's why I was saying that I'm a you in my relationship and it was trippy to be with you, to have somebody who's like me in the relationship. And that's why I was like, oh. Okay, I have to ask, when you say that, what does that mean specifically? Acts of service. Speaking your love language. Yes. Is it your primary one? It's one of the first ones. Mm. I've realized that touch has a higher... Did I touch you enough? 
there's room for improvement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you know how you require my attention in full? Yes. I require sometimes extra touch. Okay. I'll be like, oh, why isn't she touching me? And so do you have like instances? Because I'm sorry, I'm not doing that in this heat while we're sleeping. <laughs> so, okay. Because I know you asked your friends and they said that they see us as both two feminine people. Yes. I feel like I'm more masculine. And remember when I said that I feel like you view yourself as more masculine than what you actually are? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's in comparison to you. I feel more masculine in comparison to you. That's outrageous. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's flagrant. That's flagrant. <laughs> it depends how. It depends in what ways. I think you may be used to a more loud masculine. Do you view yourself as more masculine or more feminine? I think we take turns. Okay. I think sometimes uh, you lead in certain ways and you take the, the the charge or whatever which ways would it be um for instance being like okay this is what we're doing so i would say that there are moments where you take charge where you are um the leader or the protector in some ways and then there are other times where I do that because you're not in the mood to be. Is it only when I'm not in the mood to be? No, also when I when I want to. Okay. The way I view myself, for instance, like physically, I would mm -hmm. say sometimes you may be physically more feminine mm -hmm. looking than mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. So that's to begin with. Mm -hmm. And already the interaction and the way you have people treat you won't necessarily be the same as me. In some ways, for instance, people opening doors for you, like small things. So that's where, for me, our traits, we compensate one mm -hmm. another. It's not so much one title that you hold constantly, and it's not one title that I hold constantly and that I maintain. Mm -hmm. We kind of hold back and forth depending on what the person needs in that moment. I like that fluidity. Yeah, if I have the energy to give, and that's the thing where we prioritize a lot of self-love. Mm -hmm. And so I will not ask you anything that you cannot give for yourself. Or I won't ask of you what you haven't done for yourself first. Mm -hmm. And if I see and find out that you haven't done those things for yourself, then I will first encourage you to do those things for yourself before you do anything for me. And that to me is a caring thing mm -hmm. but also a taking charge thing because you're taking charge of the emotional baggage and the emotional well-being of the other person mm. but see that speaks to our communication i'm in love with our communication yeah. do you think we over communicate sometimes yes but that's because we come from traumatic shit <laughs> Where people under communicated. <laughs> no, just say we're queer. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so, in which way do we over communicate? I think the check ins. Um, but then again, it's not an over. Maybe before we had under communication. Mm -hmm. And so now we're trying to find a balance and it may maybe seem or feel like it's over. The interesting thing is if I reflect on the relationship that I've had in the past, communication was deemed as a burden. Why are you talking about your emotions? Why are you bringing this shit up? In a very gaslighty way. Yeah. 
And so now that it, that there's open, free, judgment-free communication, it's not a burden, but I don't want it to be a burden. I feel like it's still in the back of my mind. Is it possible that you're anticipating the fact that it may be a burden? That's why I don't want to assume shit. Mm-hmm. Me, sometimes I'll go in the mindset of like, oh, did I say something to make you think that? Or did I do something that will make you think that? And so that's where I was like, okay. And when you said that it's about your insecurities, it's about your past traumas. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is not about me. Mm -hmm. So now how can I be there as a partner and support you in that journey or when you're in in that space? I like that. That also sounds like people with anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> we out you. How would you say we bring up tough conversations? Have we had a tough conversation yet? Hello, little editor's note. This episode was shot in the summer of 2022. So, yep, we did have a few tough conversations between the releasing of this episode and when it was recorded. Back to the show. I think we have pre-conversations that help us not have those tough conversations. Mm. Like we're proactive about the tough conversations. Mm -hmm. You don't hold things in and dive into assumption mode. Yeah. And then create a whole lot of resentment within you. Mm -hmm. This is something that Lauren, my coach, says always. Both are hard. Having communication, setting boundaries, letting someone know what triggers you, being vulnerable in that way is hard. Having these conversations and communicating how you're feeling, how that makes you feel, communicating insecurities, questioning behaviors, what contributes to those behaviors. It's hard. Getting into a fight, building resentment, assuming, getting anxious, obsessive is hard. Not saying that having those conversations up front is not going to trigger you. For sure, shit happens. But the boundaries have been laid. And so it makes it a bit more easier to navigate it we ultimately invest in one another i didn't realize i was that caring i'm more caring than i have known myself to be i got blindsided by my love for you it just kind of happened and i was like oh shit and everybody around me because they know me and they know my ego nobody said nothing they all let me just fake pretend like i wasn't in love and talk as if I wasn't in love and they'll be like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yancy, oh okay, cool. <laughs> it wasn't a falling in love, it was a growing in love. I like that. I have to admit something. I was afraid of not being in love with you because I wasn't feeling the roller coaster and the the intense spark that people talk about. And I saw a video today and I was like, damn. Some people say that you know you've met the right person when you feel a spark or butterflies in your stomach. But those things don't necessarily mean that you found the right person. What they might mean is you are attracted to that person. They turn you on. Maybe they represent an ideal that you were taught that you should want. That for me has been a realization and something that I've been wanting to share with you and something that I thought was wrong because... It wasn't the, oh my God, love at first sight, big old butterflies and my heart skips and I'm like, oh my God. Also stems from me going at it backwards and from a fear mindset, right? And so kind of stopping me from experiencing and getting to know you. And I had a conversation with my friend and she was like, yeah, but you know, just let it go. You're talking out of fear right now. Yes, you've been hurt. Yes, I understand, but you don't know. How do you feel about what I said? I get it. Because we also went into it very in this very sober way. 
because we weren't trying to f- be in a relationship, we weren't trying to find life partners or partners in general. We went into it with the mindset of this will be while it will be for however long it will be. So no expectations. A big thank you to my girlfriend for coming on the podcast. I had so much fun having that conversation with you and to just talk. I love talking to you and I love your brain and I just love the fact that I can be vulnerable and raw with you and you challenge me on some points, but you truly listen. I think you're an amazing listener and I just love you so much. (laughs) So these were my raw reflections uh, about femininity, masculinity, about the way my relationship started with my person. (laughs) Um, They may evolve through time and i'm really curious to look back one day at this episode and see where i have evolved in my journey i was really anxious about releasing this episode one because it is sharing a part of my relationship it is also sharing a very vulnerable part of the way my brain thinks (laughs) i guess and more so because It is talking about my queerness. And even though I've been talking about my queerness on the podcast, it kind of confirms to myself and other people that I'm really queer. And by that, I mean, I don't know. There is still this little voice in my head or this little part of me that's that's afraid that something bad is going to happen, that I'm going to lose some people. Um, And uh, and yeah. As usual, this episode is a take what you want and leave what you don't format. I just hope that it was able to help you reflect or just open a inner monologue or a conversation around that for you and that you found value in it. May the value be agreeing or disagreeing with what we brought. We are at the part of the podcast where you already know. I don't even have to tell you because you've already done it. You already rated the podcast five stars, ideally. But if you feel otherwise, be true to yourself. I'm all about improving the show and making the show better. So if you have any feedback, feel free to put them on the show. So rate the podcast, leave a review and share it with your friends, your peers, your grandparents, your aunties and uncles. And get those exciting conversations going with the entourage. On this note, we shall talk again in two weeks. And until next time, stay curious, because that's exciting. That's exciting, yeah, yeah. Before we leave, on production team, recording, editing, and sound design by yours truly, myself, Yancy. The official That's Exciting Anthem by Calder Nash. The amazing vocals on the track by Mel Pacifico. That's all for today's episode. I'm your host, Yancy. And until next week, stay curious, because that's exciting. Just a baby, come and me.